welcome in to We The Fans. I am Joe Hunt getting you and having some fun with you on this Monday afternoon that we are going to get this show going today. Now, today is going to be, it's a little bit different. I say a little bit different. Uh, starting a little bit later than what we wanted to. Uh, and uh, the main reason for that is because um, I had lunch. Uh, with one of my bosses, so um, it was kind of the reason for that. So if we're getting started a little bit later on, I appreciate you hopping on and watching with us. York, Yorkie is already in as he is getting ready for some River Region Wrestling tomorrow uh, as it's going on. Now, when it comes to River Region Wrestling tomorrow, I'm going to go ahead and let you know. I don't know what time River Region Wrestling is going to be. Mainly because um, I hear something important is happening tomorrow uh, when it comes to like being in an election and, you know, basically the possibly the fate of the entire United States is going to be taking place. So we're either going to be doing it uh, around this time tomorrow or we're going to be having it on at six o'clock because I also got to go vote and I know you do as well. So we uh, we appreciate you. Hopping on, Yorkie the Lone Wolf Slayer. Look, man, you, you, River Region Wrestling, we the fans, okay? We're going to separate them just for a minute because you don't want the alpha of River Region Wrestling to come out, okay? Today and right now, it is all about the SEC and the football games that we had this past weekend. So uh, help me out. What, what did you think of some of the games that you did watch? If you're an Alabama fan, I mean, I really, I don't know what you could be upset about. You may be upset about like an offsides that one of your players had. Like, I don't know if there's really much for you to be upset with. If you are a, a Georgia fan, I mean, Literally, did you even have time to watch the game? Like by the time college game day wrapped up, your game was already like in the second quarter because of how fast it went through. And then you have LSU fan. What on earth is going on with LSU? Can you please help me out with this? With LSU? Like what happened to this really great defensive line that was supposed to be coming into Auburn? And you didn't have what any you didn't have any sacks. Like I think it was maybe three, maybe four losses for tackles for loss. Like that's all you had. Like what the heck took place? Can somebody help me out with that? I don't know what happened with LSU this past weekend. Texas A&M, we'll get into here in just a little bit because Texas A&M, Arkansas. There's so much from that that you can take away. I honestly expected more out of Missouri against Florida with as well as Missouri been playing lately. The fact that Florida hadn't even happened to, they haven't even played a football game in like three weeks. Like the whole campus had been shut down. The whole athletic facility had been shut down. And they come back and Kyle Trask throws four touchdown passes, throws for like almost 350 yards. And other Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Tight end almost has like 100 yards receiving. What on earth took place? And Ole Miss, you should just don't even brag for beating up Vanderbilt, okay? That 
there are descriptions that I cannot use anymore on what it's like for Ole Miss. It's not taking candy from a baby because that's just wrong. But, like, you literally just kick, like, a four-year-old in the nuts, okay? Like, those poor Vanderbilt Commodores, they just want to play football, man. They just want to have a fun life and play football and enjoy the world that they're in. And, yeah, that's happening. Now, we do have some comments already dropping in on the Twitter feed so and, and, and on our feeds. Make sure that you give us a like. Give us a follow. Make sure that you follow everything that's happening KCPN-wise. And make sure that you you share us so that all of your friends can hop on. This isn't just about SEC football, which is what we focus on here. But it's also about the spoken. We've got, look, Tuesday nights and Tuesdays are packed with wrestling. Not only do we have River Region Wrestling taking place, but you have the three Bs as well. That is a wrestling podcast that we do here on on KCPN. Make sure that you give those guys a follow. We've got a ton of stuff that doesn't matter if you are a rap enthusiast. Oh, God, that sounded so white, didn't it? By saying a rap enthusiast, that sounded just horrible. If you like rap music, we've got people that cover that. We've got some Big 12 conversation coming your way. We've obviously got your wrestling covered on Tuesdays and Friday All right, so we had a little technical difficulty uh, right there. The internet dropped out, which caused us to lose the stream, but we're good now. We're rolling back once again, and we appreciate everybody that, that still is watching here on KCPN. And, and so let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit more. Uh, Yorkie was asking about the fighting on Saturday. That happened between Mizzou and Florida, and Florida player gets popped. It's actually Kyle Trask that got popped. Right when he right when he got popped, it was the end of the half. You had Dan Mullen run onto the field. Players were running onto the field. You had players getting into an argument right there. And then after everything was over with, which that's basically just the worst summary that you could ever have when describing. But when that took place, you then had Dan Mullen come out of the locker room to get the, the Florida fans fired up. Apparently, Dan Mullen says that he was going to talk to the referees uh, about the late hit and that he was not going towards the Missouri side of the field as well as Missouri players. I don't know if he just became blind at some point in time and he just totally forgot what referees look like because he walked in between two of them uh, to start yelling. So I don't really think that that argument is kind of holding water with what a lot of people believe. But yeah, it, there was some there was some fighting. There was a little bit of people getting there was some people getting fired up 
about what was taking place. And Missouri, honestly, man, like, look, at the half, I can understand you thinking that you may have had some sort of shot at this. You were down 20-7 to at the half. But then Florida comes out in the third quarter, scores two touchdowns, and then you don't even, like, score again until the third quarter and or by the fourth quarter, and you're out of this ballgame. Kyle Trask played a a very a fantastic football game. Obviously his he threw one interception, but he's almost averaging 10 yards a pass against Missouri. And Basilak he didn't have his best game. Look, I'll tell you the one thing that Florida did very well against Missouri. They stopped the run. Roundtree only had 36 yards rushing. Like he had 25 26 yards receiving. He didn't have a great game. And for Missouri to be able to be successful against Florida and to be able to win that football game, you had to do it on the ground. And you did not do that. Basilak threw like 40 times, and and he didn't really throw that well. And so that was a very bad game by Missouri after they had played so well for a few weeks. And now they get their third loss of the season after they started. And what's sad is, is I honestly thought that this Missouri team was going to be better. Yeah, it sucked that you had to start the season against Alabama. You also lost to a very good, at the time, a very good Tennessee team. And then you ended up beating LSU. You had the the game postponed against Vanderbilt because of COVID issues. You beat Kentucky. And honestly, I thought this team was going to play much better coming in at 500. They just didn't. Now you have to play Georgia in two weeks. And after that, though, Missouri could honestly win the season and finish the season out strong because after you get through Georgia, you have South Carolina, Arkansas, you have Mississippi State, and you have Vanderbilt, and this Missouri team is better than every single one of those, maybe outside of Arkansas. And maybe I'm just believing a little bit too much in Missouri, but I just see this as a bad football game for them going into the swamp and and playing the way that they did, I really thought that Missouri was going to play better, and they ended up playing horribly. So that's what happened there. You had the fight, and it really just wasn't good. And I, I think that they went back to Columbia, Missouri, and honestly, they're probably thinking that they're a much better football team than what they are or what their record says they are, and I actually believe that. So they need to play much better, but they've got two weeks to figure this out because you've got a lot of teams that are on a bye this week. I mean a lot of teams on a bye this week. So we appreciate and we we think that they will potentially be better. But you go back through this day, Georgia, okay, Am I the only one? And I could be, I could truly be the only one thinking this. Am I the only one that believes that Georgia just really just played with their food this weekend? Like Georgia fans were extremely upset that this line was only 15. You only lost one by 11. But what's sad, and you tell me, okay, if you're watching on We The Fans, no matter where it is, whether it's on KCPN, whether you're on our Twitch feed or wherever you are, do you not feel like watching that that Georgia game that they were just playing with Kentucky the entire time? Stetson Bennett only threw the football 13 times. Zamir White had over 136 yards rushing. 
this game only lasted about an hour. It really wasn't just, it wasn't really, it didn't really just last an hour. It actually lasted about two and a half hours. But that game was over before two o'clock. Like there was still about 30 minutes remaining before if you are an SEC fan that you even got to the Auburn game. But I truly felt like in that game, Georgia was just playing with their food. They knew they had a better team than Kentucky. They knew that they didn't have to put much on tape against Kentucky, being that they go and play, that they're going to play Florida in a couple of weeks. And that's ex- or this weekend, and that's what they did. They did not give Florida anything to prepare for going into this week. And I felt like the entire time that they were just messing with Kentucky. It was Joey Gatewood's first start. And look, I don't know what you think. I mean, you tell us in the chat what you think about Joey Gatewood and him getting the start for Kentucky. He didn't play bad. He didn't play amazing, but he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't he didn't throw an interception in the game. A lot of the times when he was having to run, it was scrambling for his life because of the Georgia defensive line. And he just basically did the basic. What's going on, Chris? How's it going, man? Chris, we appreciate you watching. Logan is on. We appreciate you. Yorkie, thanks, bud. Even if you want to talk smack, we appreciate you watching. But Georgia just played with their food the whole time. And I may be the only one that thinks that. But they knew that they could go in with a basic game plan and beat Kentucky. And they beat Joey Gatewood. And they beat the Wildcats by just running the football. That is what they 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 did. And yes, Chris Rodriguez for Kentucky rushed for over 100 yards. But Zamir White, he played tremendous in this. Stetson Bennett continuing to throw to James Cook. I mean, he threw nine passes. I think four of them went to James Cook in this. Like, he played very, he played solid. He didn't do anything to hurt his confidence going into Florida week. And I really think that's what Muschamp's plan was the entire time. Chris says, Gatewood didn't do bad. Georgia has a good defense. That's what I think it was. I really saw this as if this was a way for Georgia to do just the basic. And I mean just the basic and get out of a place with a win. That's exactly what they did. And going into the week, Georgia fans wanted Georgia to just blow the doors off of Kentucky. Obviously, there's no crowd in the SEC, probably outside of Texas A&M, that's really going to factor in a football game. That's kind of the reason why you're seeing so many road teams win in college football so far this season. Because look at Ohio State and Penn State the other night. There's no whiteout. There was nothing to scare Ohio State fans. So they just went in, played football, and did and dominated Penn State the way that they needed to and got out of there. There's there's a in college football and probably college football more than any other sport. Home field and home court advantage is extremely huge. And you will see that the more and more we go into football games because Outside of some venues, it's totally gone. In the Big Ten, think about when a team finally goes in and plays Ohio State that's halfway decent. Not putting Michigan into that because Michigan's not halfway decent. There's no fans. There's just friends and family that's going to be allowed into the stadium now. I think at Penn State, there was maybe like 400, 500 fans. 
I think that's the way it was for Maryland the other night whenever they when when Talia and and Maryland beat Minnesota in overtime. Like it's just friends and family. That's all it is. So there is no home field advantage anymore. And Georgia said, look, man, we can just go in and do our thing and we're not even gonna have to worry about it. And that's exactly what they did. So good goodbye, Georgia, for doing that. They now got Florida this week. And you got the cocktail party, and it's going to be a blast. The only problem is there's probably only going to be about four or 5,000 fans in the stadium. They may let your 10% in. They may let 15,000 in or so, but it's not going to be bad. Okay, Chris brought up Coastal Carolina. They're not even the best group of five team. They're good. They're good for a group of five team. But they're not even the best group of five team. Think about the group of five teams right now that are ranked and undefeated. Cincinnati, BYU, Marshall, Coastal Carolina. Out of those four, Coastal Carolina may be number three or four on that list. The group of five has a very solid group this year. And if for some reason... Notre Dame beats Clemson this weekend. If by some stretch of the imagination that takes place, then that could benefit a group of five team because a group of five team has already gotten Oklahoma state has lost. So no big 12 team is truly being considered for college football playoff. Pac 12 is just the Pac 12. Let's not even consider them. Okay. And now if the eight, if Clemson loses there, and then Trevor Lawrence comes back and beats Notre Dame in the ACC championship game because Notre Dame is playing in that. If the group of five is undefeated, like Chris says BYU is his pick. Bro, why not have why isn't BYU and why shouldn't they be in over a one or two loss team? If they're undefeated, like if this is not the year for crazy crap, let's just have some crazy stuff. If Alabama's undefeated. If Ohio State's undefeated, those two are in. What about your BYUs, your Cincinnati's, your Marshalls, all those? Now, I'm not saying they deserve it because the play on the field isn't equal, but at the same time, like, come on, give me some, give me some, give me a BYU team because they're a national brand. Yes, they are a national brand. Catholics, the Mormons, they're a national brand. They have their own television network. Majority of the time, it just shows, you know, Notre Dame Saints uh, choir. Like, that's really it. I've got the channel. I've turned it on there a few times. But let that happen. Yeah, and, and Ohio State's only played two games. That's what Yorkie said. Ohio State's only played two games. That's right. You know how many people were so ready to just crown Michigan the Big Ten champions? After one game, look, I'm Ohio State's legit. Okay, there are teams that have played one game, and then there's Ohio State. There's Mississippi State after them beating LSU, and there's Ohio State. So many people on Ohio State, beat writers, people that cover them, says that this could be the best offensive line in Ohio State history. That is saying something. Do you think... Now look, look at Alabama, okay? Alabama against against Mississippi State, three, four sacks. Like that's against them. Just think of how dangerous 
a Justin Fields could be against an Alabama team that can't get a pass rush. Because that's where Alabama struggles is pass rush. I don't count Mississippi State. I don't count Ole Miss because they're horrible. And honestly, that's the other reason why I'm shaking my head at what happened in Jordan-Hare Stadium the other day. Because LSU is supposed to have the best pass rush in the SEC, and they got absolutely no pressure whatsoever on Auburn. Ohio State is legit. And honestly, right now, I probably would put them as my national championship favorite over Clemson, over Alabama, just because they actually all, they have a good defense and, and talent-wise, they have a good defense right now. Now, we have no clue what's going to happen over the course of the next three or four weeks because let me ask you, Chris, you watch a ton of football. Yorkie, you watch a ton of football. We've got people on here that watch a ton of football. If you watched LSU and Auburn on Saturday, what in heaven's name happened? Like, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say and what you think about what took place in Jordan-Hare because it's 153. Why is Bo Pelini still, still the defensive coordinator? Like, why? Corey, thank you. Corey is on. Corey is a huge Auburn fan. How did the offensive line, and Corey says, Auburn offensive line took a step up last week against Ole Miss. How did this offensive line just get better when one of their starters just went out for the pace for for probably the season? How did that happen? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Auburn said Auburn is Jekyll and Hyde team and LSU is trash. I, look, LSU on offense is very very good. Auburn's defense is much better. That's what Chris said that. LSU's defense is trash. They're totally trash. I do not see how on earth this LSU team is going to keep it within 25 of Alabama coming up in a couple of weeks. I have no idea how that's going to take place. Because I'm assuming Miles Brennan will be back for LSU, and so the offense will be better. The problem with LSU is TJ Finley was throwing interceptions and fumbling at just the absolute worst time. Christian Tutt with the scoop and score, what a tremendous play by him. But this is and and, and this is what's really sad because there's way too many of these teams in the SEC, okay? Because well and we'll start with Bo Nix because Bo Nix is 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 one of the biggest Jekyll and Hyde quarterbacks in the SEC. Bo Nix at home has thrown for seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He's only throwing for about 11 fewer yards on the road. But on the road, he's thrown four interceptions and only two touchdowns. That's your biggest Jekyll and Hyde, okay? Like when you talk about your Jekyll and Hyde moment, that's your Jekyll and Hyde. When Auburn wins, Bo Nix throws this many interceptions. This many. In Auburn's two losses, he's thrown four interceptions. Those are the questions when it comes to Bo Nix. And Bo Nix just isn't the other one. You want to talk about a Jekyll and Hyde quarterback? Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks is the biggest Jekyll and Hyde quarterback in the SEC. Why? 
he is better on the road than what he is at home. Even though Arkansas lost, and they lost by like 9 or 10, it brought honestly that game wasn't close. Arkansas came back towards the very end to make it at least respectable. Philip Frank, Felipe Franks has thrown nine touchdown passes on the road. He's thrown no interceptions on the road. Saturday night, didn't throw a single interception on the road. He's only thrown two touchdown passes at home. And he's thrown three interceptions at home. He is a better quarterback on the road than what he is at home. That's the reason why I think a lot of us thought that this Arkansas-Texas Arkansas, A&M game might be a little bit better. But like, how many quarterbacks do you know right now in the SEC that's at Jekyll and Hyde? Mac Jones isn't because, well, Mac Jones is, is Alabama quarterback. Kyle Trask isn't. I mean, he's also only played four football games. But KJ Costello, this guy, Wolf, he's only thrown one touchdown pass in Starkville. He's got four interceptions that he's thrown in Starkville. He's now thrown six interceptions on the road. He had one good game, and everybody fell in love with him. Oh, he's amazing. He's so great. Here's the reason why Kellen Mond and Texas A&M are very, very scary. And I say this, and we'll get to some more of your comments here in just a second. Kellen Mond, and this is where we're really going to figure out how good Kellen Mond is. So far at home, Kellen Mond is throwing for almost 40 more passing yards than he is on the road. And he's thrown seven touchdowns at home and no interceptions. That's at home. That's in front of the 50,000 college station fans. But on the road, yes, he's thrown five touchdown passes, but he's also thrown two interceptions. Texas A&M goes on the road this week and next week against South Carolina and Tennessee. I want to see what, what, what Kellen Mond is made of. Because after that, they get Ole Miss at home, they get LSU at home, and then they go on the road into Auburn. Kellen Mond is a better quarterback at home than he is on the road. He's not bad on the road, but he's a much better quarterback at home. He's now not going to be at home until November 21st. Which Kellen Mond are we going to get against South Carolina this weekend? All right, let's start getting to some of these comments that we've got going on right now. We've got Chris that said, Auburn is without Britt until the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, he's talking about K.J. Britt, which is the reason why it is... I want to say Kobe McLean or whoever it was that uh, Zacoby, Zacoby McLean, that's his name. Zacoby McLean, it was so big for Auburn that that targeting call didn't get called and he got to stay in the game because he's the one that took care of KJ Britt. And, or his when he took over for KJ Britt. So now KJ Britt's gone until like Alabama week. And then you, and Zacoby McLean is the one that's come in and he's been taking over when it comes to defensive play calling on the field for Auburn. Him and that targeting not getting called was huge because if Auburn goes down to their third middle linebacker, they're in a big problem. They have a very big problem because that was very early in that game against LSU. And he has played tremendous. He has grown up a ton over the last two or three weeks. And it has been huge for Auburn. Zacoby McLean is part of the reason why that defense for Auburn is playing much better right now. 
and you start to see it in the secondary as well, getting Jalen Simpson back for Auburn has been big. LSU doesn't have any excuses except for it's not the fake Bo Pelini as their, as their defensive coordinator. It's the real Bo Pelini. This LSU team is in trouble. And if you haven't watched the SEC shorts for this weekend, make sure you do it because it is absolutely hilarious. And it deals with LSU. You also have Corey says McLean has stepped up big. He absolutely has stepped up big for Auburn. I don't want, and I'm saying this for, for a purpose, I do not want to believe in Auburn again. Because, and when I say it, it's because Auburn has two games that they realistically should win over the course of the next two weeks or next week. Okay, because they don't play this weekend and then they turn around and they play Mississippi State on the 14th. Then they play Tennessee. They should win both of those games. I emphasize they should win both of those games. Then you play Alabama as a six and two football team. So if you're Auburn, you could still be. Eight and two to finish the season because you may get bad Kellen Mon at Jordan Hare Stadium, and that could benefit you. But then you have Alabama. If Auburn beats Alabama in Bryant Denny Stadium in front of most likely twenty thousand people, even though I'm still wanting to see what happens after tomorrow and how people's opinions kind of change. I don't want to believe in Auburn just yet because the moment that you start believing in Auburn, they do something like what they did against Georgia. Because honestly, after that Kentucky game, I actually thought Auburn was a, was a really good football team. But then Georgia came and they showed you every single problem that they had and it all happened in one game. Then they get lucky against Arkansas with the bad snap or the fake or the uh, – killing the football when it really wasn't, you know, killing the football. Then they get beat by South Carolina when they had a chance to tie that game up late. Then they get lucky against Ole Miss, and then they just blow out LSU. So this is why it's – I do not – I'm not going to get hyped up about, about Auburn at all. The team that right now – outside of Florida that I think people should get get kind of hyped up on is Texas A&M. I know Texas A&M historically has not been good. But Kellen Mond is having one of those special years. Not special like Mac Jones Heisman Trophy special. More like special as in he's not screwing up kind of special. And Texas A&M has only lost one football game. They have an outside shot at the college football playoff if Notre Dame and Clemson take each other out. There's a chance. Chris says, just my opinion, since the second half of the Georgia game, Alabama's offensive line has been nasty. Alabama's offensive line has been playing extremely well. Honestly, if you look at how Alabama's offensive line has graded out over the past couple, two or three weeks, they're getting A's across the board. You'll get a few false starts call. Alex Leatherwood had a false start. You see some of those in the games, but they're not making the big mental mistakes. 
if you go back and look at Alabama playing Texas A&M, the only reason Texas A&M tied that game up was because of a tipped interception that that led to a Texas A&M touchdown, and then Daniel writes, eh, oh, crap, he didn't go out. Okay, now he's gone. Like, those are some of the things that you've seen that have kind of went against Texas A&M. Texas A&M's only loss is to Alabama. If they went out but don't make it an SEC championship, they have an argument to be very good and to be in the college football playoff. Yorkie says, Bama's defense is too hit or miss, and that will bite them in the tail soon if they aren't careful. I don't think that's going to hurt Alabama until the semifinal. That's my prediction. It could be the SEC championship against Florida or Georgia. It could be one of those, and whoever wins that game this weekend is in the driver's seat of playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. But I don't think it's going to hurt Alabama until December. That's me personally. Because that defense can be beat. That defense is not as solid as they were. Look, don't I'm not fooled by the Mississippi State win. Because everybody against Mississippi State now knows what to do. It's the reason why I don't believe in Auburn. Because Auburn comes off the bye week and they play Mississippi State. And knowing Auburn, they're going to be dumb enough to play man defense against Mississippi State the entire time. And they're going to get burnt. Because that just sounds like something Auburn would do. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's a possibility of happening. So that's the reason why I go hold up. Not just not yet. I want to see how they and if they actually play better. Everybody knows how to beat Mississippi State now. Honestly, with that combined with the players that are transferring out, Mike Leach has got an exit problem. Now it may be totally by design. And knowing the pirate, he probably has some metaphor for this that's going to be like, oh my God, it's it is by design. But there's a mass exodus happening at Mississippi State, and he may use this to his advantage to get his players in for this spread offense. But right now, everybody has the book on how to beat Mississippi State. They do. It's like Missouri. Stop the run against Missouri, you're going to beat Missouri. Roundtree only rushed for 36 yards. They lost. Tennessee, get into Garantano's head. The moment you get into Garantano's head, you've already won the game. Regardless as to what the score is, you get into Garantano's head, it is ball game, and you're already going to beat him. Chris says those Bama wide receivers stepping up since Waddle's injury, Bolden can be dangerous. And yes, Will Reichard is a tremendous kicker. Look, he would have been good last year if he hadn't have been hurt. People forget that he had been hurt last year, and that's the reason why that is why he didn't kick very well last season was because of the injury. He was tremendous at Hoover High School, and he would have been tremendous last year for Alabama, but he got hurt. So now that he's healthy, Alabama fans are starting to see how good of a kicker he really is. Bolden has stepped up. Michi has stepped up. Devontae Smith, good God. Devontae Smith is doing what Ricardo Lewis wanted to do. Devontae Smith is showing everybody that he is more than just one catch. That catch being the national championship game with him and Tua. He wanted to prove that he was more than one catch. Ricardo Lewis said that for so often 
after 2013. I want to prove that I was more than just the prayer at Jordan Hare. I want to be more than that. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. I think, I mean, he had some time with the Browns. I have no clue where Ricardo Lewis is now. But, yeah, he wasn't really much more than the prayer at Jordan Hare. Michi has done very well for them. Auburn's second or third best wide receiver right now is a 320-pound tight end. Like, you want to talk about him. And, and, and trust me, everybody at Auburn knew about him before the season started. He is scary athletic. And somehow, he's just bo- just bowling people over like bowling pins. Don't know how that's happening. But he's very good. And those are the types of players that you're going to need to make changes. Maybe. Maybe Mike Leach will be able to do that. The problem is, is somebody like Mike Leach, he can get you on a Zoom call. He can talk like you and I are talking right now. But how is he going to be able to really recruit when you really can't have at-home visits? And we're about seven weeks away from that first signing period. That's an important signing period because that February one just isn't doesn't have the kick that it used to. Kind of needs to step his game up, if you're asking me, if you ask me. So those are what's happening, and those are the games that we had this weekend. And Yorkie says, Bama the only fan base that gets hyped over a kicker. Bull crap. Rodrigo Blankenship, Georgia. Goggles. Goggles. They got Height over goggles. They were absolutely pumped for goggles. You can go, and there's a lot of SEC. Look, how many years was Auburn just a kicker? You had Legatron, and now you have Legatron's brother. Like, Auburn gets hyped for kickers. Alabama, that really, the moment they get a kicker, they become the danger, most dangerous team in the country because now it's a, oh, crap, they even have a kicker. But coming up this weekend, look, this weekend's going to be slow when it comes to SEC games, okay? You have the cocktail party at 2.30. That is it, okay? What's really going to be a fun game And I know this is SEC talk, but this is kind of that weekend that you do a lot of stuff because Alabama and Auburn are both on buys. And you also have a ton of other teams that are on buys that are in the top 25. So you kind of make way for everything. Now the the Pac-12 is starting back. But this weekend, you have a lot of good games that are not in the SEC. You get Clemson-Notre Dame. That game's going to be on NBC. You also get, this is going to be a scary good game. And this goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this. You get BYU and Boise State Friday night. It's a late game. 8.45 kick. If you're in central time zone, and that's where you're listening, whether in Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, wherever you're listening, in the SEC footprint, that's a late kick. If you are listening on the East Coast, You're talking about a 9.45 kick. It's BYU, Boise State, blue turf. Get ready for a very fun football game. Zach Wilson for BYU has almost thrown for almost 20 touchdown passes so far this season. That's more than Mac Jones. That's more than Kyle Trask. That's more than Matt Corral. And in fact, 
Passing wise, he probably may be two or three in the country. Zach Wilson from BYU is number three in the country right now in touchdown passes. There's only two quarterbacks in front of him, Sam Ellinger from Texas and Dylan Gabriel from UCF, but we don't really count anything Dylan Gabriel or UCF ever does. Okay? And Chris threw it in. You also get high school football. If you're in the state of Alabama and you're watching this, you've got round one of the state playoffs taking taking, uh, place. I know I'm going to be doing some play-by-play on uh, Friday for Alston High School and Oak Mountain. That's a Central Alabama versus North Alabama matchup. The winner of that gets the winner of Hoover and Sparkman. I can say Hoover because everybody in the country knows who Hoover High School is. So make sure that you're paying attention to that. All right, we're going to cut it off today a little bit later. I got to go pick up Little Man as we're going to hang out a little bit. Yes, I've ate a ton of his Halloween candy because he got a lot of Reese's. And that's my favorite candy. Sorry, I'm not going dad cat tax. I just like Reese's more than he does. So I'm going to eat them. Hope you had an amazing Halloween. Make sure that you watch River Region Wrestling. Okay? It's going to be happening tomorrow. Make sure that you follow me at Joe Hunk. Make sure that you follow KCPN on all social media networks. We'll let you know what time it's happening. Yorkie, you're right. Thompson is a, is the number five team in the nation right now, high school football-wise. Not just, not just Alabama-wise. They're the number one team in Alabama. They're number five across the nation. Chris, we appreciate you interacting. Corey, I appreciate you. Everybody, thank you for joining We The Fans this Monday afternoon. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. River Region Wrestling. We are just one week away from Semper Fight Night. And tomorrow it's going to get really interesting. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on KCPN. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho, más vale tarde que nunca. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Nitzel.